0: Welcome to the Open Adoption Project. This is episode 58. We're the Nelsons, I'm Lynette.
1: And I'm Sean. In this episode, we'll be talking about adoption language and we'll be talking a little bit about the history of kind of some of the different schools of thoughts when it comes to talking about adoption. We'll also be sharing some insights adoptees have shared with us as we've reached out to them, as we've researched their thoughts, and uh, as we've talked to them. We're excited to explore that aspect of adoption language in this episode.
0: We've been wanting to do an episode talking about adoption language for quite a while, and it's just such a big and kind of heavy topic that we've really wanted to take our time and do our research and especially talk to adoptees. And as we were reading about these different kinds of adoption language that have traditionally been used pretty much since about the 1970s here in the United States, it was really interesting because to me, as I was reading about them, I kept thinking, wow, this school of thought is really like centered on adoptive parents and their feelings. And then this other school of thought is really focused on biological parents and their feelings. And, of course, that kind of leaves us a gaping hole where it's, uh, what about adoptees? Like, why aren't we focusing our adoption language on adoptees?
1: Well, and at the end of the day, like, we're all involved in this adoption triad as adoptive parents, birth parents or biological parents, and this child. And really, at the end of the day, everything should be focused on the experience of this kid, this human, this individual, right? Right. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And how they maybe want to talk about it will differ than how other members of the triad will probably want to talk about it. And I think it's really important that we give a lot of weight and heed to the adoptees voice.
0: I agree. And I would take that even farther and say our adoption language should really just be centered on what adoptees want. But of course, that also creates a challenge because adoptees are not all of the same mind and they're not all having the same experience. And there are so many different thoughts on adoption language from adoptees. So it's not like we can make a big list. There are lists. um,
1: There are lots of lists. There are (laughs) lots
0: of lists on adoption language, but ultimately if we're trying to focus our dialogue around adoptees and what they prefer and what makes them feel more comfortable, we can't operate off of a list. We have to, be sensitive we have to be listening to and asking questions when we're talking to adoptees to try to tailor our language to be what they want what they desire to hear
1: yeah so you've you mentioned that we've done a little bit of research Mm -hmm. and there's several different schools of thought yeah so let's talk about that yeah let's dive in what's what's one approach
0: so the one that we were introduced to first and i think most adoptive parents would also be in this pool is positive adoption language. And from what I've gathered, positive adoption language was really created by adoption professionals in the 1970s. And typically in the the past, the language that had been used was like natural mother and like what you kind of still hear, right? It's still a bit reminiscent. And so positive adoption language was this, quest to try to reshape adoption language. To I think I would gather I would assume maybe that the goal of it was to change feelings and experiences for other people regarding adoption.
1: Yeah, in our research um I read that the term birth mother was actually first used by a Nobel Prize winner, winning author um in nineteen fifty six. So this is a ways back right yeah Um, but it was by an adoptive mother it wasn't by a birth mother or biological mother it was coined by an adoptive mother in a book so
0: interesting yeah well and yeah I remember our very first adoption intake meeting where we sat down with a few other people who were considering adoption and a bunch of social workers just talked to us about different things we needed to know about adoption. And one of the things was positive adoption language, which I was not familiar with. And so they talked about, yeah, you say birth parent instead of real parent, um, instead of saying natural parents, like biological parent. And I don't know, just like this list. I don't Yeah, rather than like to go through giving, the whole list, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. can look it up. But there were some really interesting ones, like instead of saying... If you are a biological parent, instead of saying "my child," you say "my child who I placed for adoption," which doesn't really roll off the tongue. Let's let's be (laughs) honest here. Not supernatural, but yes. Or instead of saying "I'm in reunion," let's say "I'm making contact with my biological family."
1: I do think I will say though that having the conversations with social workers in the beginning of our journey and with other adoptive parents around positive adoption language did shift my mind to be thinking about other members of the adoption triad more um, i think that i think that as an insecure young you know mid 20s hopeful dad i was really focused on me being a dad and you being a mom and i probably didn't even think about the language i would use or the language that birth parents or adoptees would use and so for me it was really nice to be able to kind of step back and think, oh, wow, I do need to be really intentional about the language that I'm using. Yeah. And uh, it all stems out of respect and love for other people.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and words matter. Um, I would say that I wouldn't completely agree with all of the language that we were suggested to use at that point, but I didn't know anything else at that point. And so, yeah, we were pretty hardcore like, once we learned that, we were like, this is the language you should use. So we tried to teach it to our families and make sure people in our community understood it, which I think is a good thing. But yes, it doesn't really leave much room for other feelings. And I mean, even in its name, positive adoption language, which it is sometimes also called respectful adoption language, which I think is a better goal. If your goal is to frame language in a respectful way, that's better goal than framing it in a positive way yeah because you want to let adoptees feel whatever they're feeling
1: yeah i can actually one experience uh this was probably i don't know two years ago and our now nine nine year old um said something to me and he said but what about my real dad and he said it like that and at first i was like wanting to correct him and say oh no you mean your birth father and then I kind of had to step back and say, well, this is his reality, right? And the, maybe those are the terms or words he needs or wants to use mm-hmm. to yeah. express, right? Um, my first instinct was to say, I am your real father, um, but letting me, maybe my pride subside a little bit and saying, oh, you're talking about, and then I said his biological father's name and we kind of just went on from there, but yeah. Ever since then, I've been a little bit more focused on how our children refer to um, their biological parents or their birth parents.
0: Yeah, well, and even with our kids, it's so different from kid to kid, even Mm -hmm. though we're all in the same household. And Sean and I are modeling the same language. Of course, we try to pick up their cues and follow their leads, but there's four different kids with four different perspectives. Yeah. And even with our four kids, I feel like, We do hear some differences. We have one child who gets very upset if you refer to her biological parents as her real parents. Um, And she just is like, no, all of my parents are real. And that really gets her goat. And then we have another child who for a few years, not the one that you were just mentioning, but another child who would just always ask about Well, what about my first mom? And he, I don't think we had ever used the term first mom or first parent with him, but it was just what felt natural to him. And when he would ask about her, that's how he referred to her. So had to try to mirror that and yeah, respect where he was coming from on that. I like what you said, how that's the reality. You just need to respect that and be cognizant of that. I like that.
1: We learned a lot as we implemented positive adoption language in our household and it's kind of morphed and changed over time. So you Absolutely. mentioned,
0: but I do also just want to once again, drive in that point that it's called positive adoption language typically, but I do prefer the idea of framing it more as respectful adoption language because I do think some of it goes a little bit too far, right? Like not calling a child that you place your child anymore, or I don't know. It, it seems a little bit micromanagey. I can see how, This language bothered people. And so another school of thought of course emerged and that was called honest adoption language. So honest adoption language is really what I would read as a response to positive adoption language. And it's coming from biological parents who are saying, hey, this language that you're calling positive or respectful really doesn't respect me and it doesn't respect the loss that I've had or an adoptee and their loss that they've had. It doesn't really acknowledge that loss and it doesn't truly respect our experiences. And so as people, especially biological parents, um, began researching the adoption industry and this language and thinking about it more, there became more of a consensus to not use that language that was coined by the adoption industry and instead they created this new school of thought called honest adoption language where instead of saying birth parents, you would say, it's basically like the opposite on a lot of it. Instead of saying birth parents, you would say natural parents or instead of saying birth mother, mother or father or parent. And instead of referring to adoptive parents as parents, you would refer to them as adopters or adoptive parents or people who adopted.
1: And so it's very, very...
0: It's flipped. Yeah. It's yeah. Flipped. So I
1: focused more primarily on birth parents.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it really is. And I think that's reasonable when the adoption industry was and still can be so dismissive of these biological parents and their feelings. And so, yeah, it seems to me and we're not birth parents and so we're not like authorities on this. And we did talk to a lot of adoptees for this episode, but we did not specifically reach out and talk to many birth parents about language for this episode. So feel free to reach out and share your thoughts too, um, because we would love to hear them. But yeah, it's this interesting dialogue between these two schools of thought where you have different people with different experiences and it's just kind of a bit of a clash.
1: Yeah, I, I I'm kind of thinking of our youngest birth mother, and that's her preferred term for it, right? Um, when we were kind of setting boundaries in the very beginning of our relationship, um, our three older children called their birth moms by their first, first names, name, yeah. And she was like, "Oh, I don't want him to call me by my first name. That feels weird. Why doesn't he call me B Ma?" I love that. Which
0: I loved that she shared that. Yeah, for birth, birth mom. mom yeah, um,
1: and birth, birth father, we actually call call them B-pa. Yeah, Um, that's what
0: our little guy calls them. And it's really sweet. I love that. Yeah.
1: And so um, I think it's important that, that each of our children's biological parents feel feel heard and that we respect what they're asking. At the same time, we need to make sure that we're focusing on our kids too. And if at some point our youngest says, that feels weird for me to call, that or him that then then we'll all have a conversation and talk together right
0: yeah of course yeah and of course an adoptee should be in the driver's seat about what language is being used for their story but yeah so a lot of the language in honest adoption language for me as an adoptive parent seems a little bit weird um things like instead of saying someone was placed for adoption you say surrendered to adopt surrendered for adoption or lost to adoption Um,
1: separated by adoption yeah
0: yeah interesting and instead of saying was adopted which is one of the preferred terms for positive adoption language it's is adopted so it continues to be part of their identity forever it's the idea behind that yeah instead of talking about an adoption triad honest adoption language talks about adoption as more of a transaction and so yeah it's very interesting you can definitely hear a lot of trauma behind this language and a lot of I mean, people who have been mistreated, honestly, is what I hear when I see this. So as we've talked about, I think that what this all really boils down to is that we're focusing our thought maybe on some of the wrong things. Of course, we should be thinking about the language preferred by biological parents. And of course, we should be listening to that and caring about that and respecting that. Um, Honestly, I think adoptive parents, we just need to prioritize adoptees and birth parents over themselves in these conversations
1: yeah in that order i think
0: yes absolutely we need to be aware of we need to be seeking the preferences of the adoptees and birth parents in our lives as we're using language and again it's really hard we can't just all the time talk about biological parents and refer to them as birth parents or biological parents or whatever because different people are going to have different preferences and so we do our best and mirror it and try to respect that but it's hard it's definitely work and I believe adoptive parents really have the responsibility to put in that work and focus on it and make it something that we care about enough to really continue working on
1: yeah and I think when it comes to the honest adoption language there really can be a lack of focus on the adoptees like if we're If we're listening to adoptees, they may be saying that, well, I, I want to call my adopted parents, my real parents, um, or, or Or I I
0: don't always want to be defined by being adopted. And so I don't want that to be like the primary thing about me as a defining factor. Yeah. Well, and of course it's going to be different too, right? There's some adoptees that I'm sure would really align with that and that's valid, But yes, most of the adoptees that we have talked to, and we've tried really hard on our podcast to have a good mix of different thoughts and experiences, people who have had positive experiences, negative experiences, and big mixes of everything. I feel like the vast majority of adoptees we've talked to definitely don't fall into either of these categories 100%, right? Like positive adoption language is extreme and then honest adoption language is extreme.
1: So we've looked at these kind of different route, different approaches, positive yeah. adoption language, They're honest kind of, adoption Yeah, language. the competing ideas. Yeah, yeah. So let's now focus on adoptee centered language. And of course, like you said in the beginning, we're not necessarily going to give a, a list of everything, but what, what does that actually sound like or look like?
0: Yeah. So first let's start with some things that I don't think we've talked about on the podcast before. These are some things that I've heard recently that were new to me and that were some great aha moments really. And so recently I heard some adoptees talking about using the words adopted versus adoptive. So mixing them up. So the word adoptive implies choice while the word adopted does not imply choice. And so the idea is, instead of calling an adoptive parent the adopted parent, you have to make sure you use that I-V-E ending, right? Because there's choice when a parent decides to adopt. But with a child or an adoptee, they are an adopted child because they didn't have that choice. So instead of calling them the adoptive child, the E-D. So I thought that was an interesting distinction. It's something I hadn't ever thought about before. But we had a couple of adoptees bring that up.
1: Yeah, I think, personally, I naturally would say it that way. Yeah. But that's interesting. I have interesting. heard it yeah. switched,
0: though. And so, yeah, that's good to be aware of. Yeah. What else? Um, Something else that was brought to my attention was, and we haven't talked about this much, but when you have donor-conceived children referring to the person who was the donor of part of their genetic makeup, right? And so apparently in some families they'll just refer to that person as the donor and instead of referring to them as a biological parent or whatever else and so opening that door up is the preferred thing where you let the child decide how they want to refer to their biological parent instead of just calling them the donor so to be careful about that which yeah interesting i don't we don't really have experience in that yeah so that was interesting to hear.
1: we might do a future episode Yeah. On that, but.
0: Yeah. Also, othering adoptees. So, like, people often like to talk about your own kids. And I'm saying that with quotes, right?
1: Big air quotes.
0: Yes. (laughs) So that's an example of othering adoptees. So if you have an adopted child or a foster child or a donor conceived child, um, the idea that they're not really, like, like your own, right, in the quotes, because they're not a biological child of yours.
1: So, for example, if somebody is introducing their family and they say, I have six children, I have three, and they say, I have three biological children and three adopted children.
0: Yeah, yeah, like othering them like that. Or or saying, yeah, this is my daughter and then this is my other child who's whatever. Which, yeah, that's obviously awkward. So, yeah, just making sure that People are aware that there are lots of ways to belong, and people can belong to you in all kinds of ways, and it doesn't have to be this big, explained thing when yeah. you're talking to others.
1: So another one that we've talked about with adoptees, and Lynette kind of referred to this earlier, but is the term "real," mm-hmm. uh, and the vast majority, uh, the vast majority of adoptees we've talked to are very uncomfortable with
0: the word using
1: real. the word real because we're all real. Like, right. We, we have real adoptive parents. We have real biological parents or birth parents. Everybody is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, and I, I mean, I think most people within the adoption triad or adoption constellation get that. And we get a lot of, a lot of people outside of the adoption world that use that word. Mm -hmm. um but yeah as much as we can help that be dissolved Mm -hmm. from the, the vocabulary
0: yeah yeah the word real um something else and this is actually a tangent the importance this is for adoptive parents and it's coming from me as an adoptive parent this one's not from an adoptee but it's really important to remember that a mother is not a birth mom before she places her baby for adoption. So if you're talking to a mom and she's pregnant and thinking about making an adoption plan, she's still a mom, She and she is a mom, and of course she's still a mom if she places too, but she's not a birth mom, and she's only a birth mom after she signed the papers. I see a lot of people online who will refer to expectant mothers as birth parents, and that can be considered coercive, and yeah, just a little heads up to not
1: yeah, not, not refer to them. not
0: birth parents.
1: I think that's really valid. And when when you give them that label before mm-hmm. they place their baby, I think there is probably some extra pressure. And while that may be their plan, that they're choosing adoption beforehand, um, we want them to be able to make that choice.
0: Without any, without any, any coercion. Yeah, yeah. At all. Yeah. yeah.
1: So I think it's really great that you brought that up. Thank you. Um, Another term that we hear that adoptees kind of struggle with is using the word unwanted. Do you want to speak to that? Uh,
0: Of course they're going to struggle with that. I think anybody would struggle with being referred to as unwanted. Don't use that. Use compassion and how you speak.
1: Yeah, like, oh, you know, this baby was an unwanted baby or an unwanted pregnancy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just find better words. There are many, many better words out there and you can find them.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Um, I think we might have discussed a little bit about, instead of saying someone is adopted or they are adopted, saying was adopted. And this one, I think um, there's probably a lot of people on both sides of whether they prefer to be called someone who is adopted or someone who was adopted. Yeah. Many of the adoptees we've talked to go both ways, right? Like... And I think that it kind of just gets mixed, right? Like, you might refer to yourself as, hey, I was adopted in one conversation, and then in the next say, oh yeah, I am adopted. So I think we might get a little too nitpicky about these things.
1: You know, it's kind of interesting. As I think about different conversations I've had with people, um, and I could be completely off, so this is obviously not research-based, but I feel like most people that um, were adopted... And have a closed adoption uh use the terms are and am and uh those pronouns rather than what like the present tense or present progressive tense instead of the past um and that many that have open adoptions refer to it as was
0: interesting and i wonder if that's part of like adoption agencies and their role in language, or if that's part of having an open adoption. Yeah. I and wonder. So interesting. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I wonder if having some ambiguity in your adoption story makes it
0: more present tense. Yeah. It, it's Literally, still part yeah.
1: of this unresolved or unsolved mm-hmm. part of you. Yeah, anyway, again, see. that was just kind of my ramblings, but I, I have noticed that um, in, in, more than, yeah, yeah. in more than a few cases.
0: And This last one, again, I feel like it should be pretty obvious, but you don't refer to a biological child as your own child and then other, those adopted kids as not your own, right? Even when I talk to adoptees who have had really mixed or troubling experiences with adoption, they deserve to belong with all of their families, right? They deserve to have that sense of belonging and I just feel like it's really sad when our society won't just let people belong in multiple spaces where they want to belong and need to belong and so yeah that's one of my big pet peeves I've seen many adoptive parents on social media who it's kind of like the othering we were talking about right where they just
1: yeah, here's an example I see yeah. every once in a while, like when people are, ch- are announcing that they're going to adopt, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes in the, you know, paragraph below their Instagram picture, it says, well, we always hope to have our own children, but have now decided to adopt. Or and
0: what if your kid who you adopt reads your Instagram in a few <laughs> years and it's like out there for everyone to see that this kid is considered second best by you, like how tragic. Yeah. I don't know. This might be too much of a tangent, but adoptive parents definitely need to be getting some counseling and help in addressing these feelings. If, if you're adopting and you feel like this is second best or this child is less than a biological child, you need to get help and that's okay.
1: And if but it's... get help. They don't
0: uh, deserve that. Yeah.
1: And if it's just, oh, well, I didn't intend that by using these words, then be more intentional exactly. or think more deeply about the words yes, you're using. Yes, think about your
0: words. I saw, and it's some people who I don't follow, but it just popped up on my feed because I look at so many adoption related Instagram profiles. This adoptive family was doing some kind of reel or something. I don't know. I'm like an ancient person with all this technology, (laughs) but they were doing something and they were like talking about how they have these biological kids and they adopted this kid. And they're like, We love having. An extra bonus child after having her own children or something. And an adoptee commented, because I saw that and I was like, ooh, that's sketch language. And I was already thinking about language, right, for this episode. And an adoptee actually commented on their post and said, hey, I'm an adoptee. And that kind of language really bothers me. You might want to reconsider for your child's sake. And they and were they, totally dismissive. Uh, I was furious. They
1: responded. They and did. They said. They were so
0: dismissive. <laughs> We've talked to adoptees in our family and they don't care. It's not a big deal.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> anyway.
1: I remember coming home from work to that conversation. Yes,
0: I was I was you won't so believe upset, this. <laughs> especially on this Adoptee's behalf, right? Who like spoke up and shared their own truth and were just completely dismissed. So yes, I think the essence and the bottom line of what we want to share today is listen to Adoptees. I know that seems like an ironic message because we are not adoptees. Touche. But we are doing our best to try to listen to adoptees, and we just really want to encourage all of you to as well.
1: Yeah, words matter. Yeah. And some people may think that they don't, um, but we can't. We can't feel how other people feel, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's a hard thing to grasp, um, but. Being an adoptee uh, is a very unique experience.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot that comes with that. Time and time again, when we talk to adoptees, it's just so apparent that there's a lot to unpack with being an adoptee. And we owe the adoptees in our lives the courtesy of using thoughtful language that is centered around them and their preferences.
1: Awesome. So educate yourself, right? There's a lot of... There's a lot of information out there. Um, and Talk to adoptees. Yeah. yeah. Listen to adoptees. And we'll continue to bring adoptees voices to the podcast so that you can hear their, their preferences and their experiences.
0: You can hear us trying to mirror their preferences and not always succeeding, but trying.
1: Trying. Yep. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the two of us rambling about <laughs> something that we care deeply about and that we're becoming more and more focused on and educated on.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you listening. And if you want to share any of your thoughts about adoption language, please reach out. You can email us at openadoptionproject@gmail.com. at gmail.com.
1: We'll also have a post on our Instagram feed um, connected to this episode. And we'd love for you to share some of your thoughts.
0: Yeah, go ahead and adopt you. Just let us know what you think we got wrong and birth parents and yeah, just would love to hear what you think and what you're feeling
1: great well thanks again for listening to this episode of the open adoption project